Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Knicks Wall podcast, part of the Blue Wire podcast family. Uh, I am Anthony Corbo at Corbo Anthony on Twitter. I am joined today by my co-host, Kyle Maggio, at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. What is going on, my dude? Oh, you know, more of the same. Just got done watching a little uh, Frank Nielakina. Yeah, yeah. Uh we're going to hop right into that in a second, but you know, first, everyone, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Why don't you, uh, you know, head to thenixwall.com, check out all the articles we got going on there. A lot of features. You know, August is not a ton of news going on, but a great time to start considering, you know, what we're going to see come, you know, training camp and, you know, when the season opens in October. Uh, we're gearing up for it, but... You know, any basketball at this point is good basketball. So basically all we have is a little Frank Nielakina, little Frank Nielakina plays, a couple of highlights. Uh, It's the FIBA uh, friendlies right now, correct? And, uh, you know, we're seeing seeing a little bit of Frank in action, playing with the likes of uh, Rudy Gobert and uh, Nick Batum. And yeah lower competition we're talking about friendly matches here and everything like that so not a ton to make of it but uh we're seeing kind of more of the same out of him right here uh what did he go with on this last one the friendly he he finished with uh trying to find his stat line right here he had seven points on two of seven shooting uh one of three from three you know, like pretty much more of the same, no rebounds. Uh, Do you have any assists? Why can't I read this box score? This box score is ridiculous looking. To my my understanding, he had five rebounds or five assists, one of them. but Five assists, yeah. Five Five assists. assists. That's what I'm saying right here. Um, So, I mean, like that's good to see. There was like a highlight floating around, I think, you know, from a couple of days ago of him like throwing up a nice looking lob to go bear and throwing it down like, I I don't know, man. Do we have any thoughts on this? Like, is there anything to make of the Frank Nielakina, uh, you know, playing, you know, again, not shooting well, not scoring, not doing much in, in 18 and a half minutes. But, I mean, five assists is something. Did you see any of his play? I feel like I'm going to throw so many caveats here. Like, I'm going to sound like Stephen A. Smith before he goes on a wild rant. Like... Well, that's what August is for. I, I know, like, so, so for everybody who may have just seen my couple of tweets, which I, I just posted maybe an hour ago, this is recording at 5.30-ish Eastern time on uh, this lovely Wednesday afternoon. And uh, so if you have saw that and partook in uh, trying to drag me, then please just pause for a second. So, um I know that he's 21 years old. I know he's very young. I know he's very raw. I know he's a project. I know I, I'm supposed to be patient. I know he takes. it's going to take a lot of time for him to be uh, the player we hope he can be. Um, I'm aware that he did a few little things good. Uh, I'm aware that he's not totally trash. But 
I'm also aware that he uh, got hurt in the second half of last year, missed pretty much the rest of the season, aside from like the one game he came back for and then re-aggravated things. I'm aware he hasn't played in some time. I'm aware it's August. So I, I got all those things out of the way. Like You understand what I'm getting at, right? And at the same time, it's just more of the same from Frank. It just, it just, it's gotten to the point where it feels like, and I'm prepared to get yelled at for this as I have been for everything else with Frank the past six or seven months. Um, if you're an NBA player, if you're a legitimate NBA player, and I know like Nicholas Batum finished with three points, I, I get it. But like Nicholas Batum is also getting kind of washed now and has a very successful NBA career. Uh, Frank Villakin is still trying to make it. Like he's still trying to make it in the NBA. He's still trying to make it with the Knicks. He's still trying to make it um, ahead of the Jared Jacks and the Emmanuel Moutiers. And this is a lottery pick. He's still trying to make it to lock in a spot on the French uh, French national team moving forward. And it just feels like we always get the same dude. Like we get over three for a few points in the first game. And I get these are friendlies, but like it was Tanasia today. Like you couldn't do a little bit more versus Tanasia. Yeah, I like, listen. I like. I, I agree. I agree I, to the point that it's friendly. So like we're playing. You know, there there is a, a certain feeling to you know. Okay, it's a friendly match. It's you know they don't mean anything. These guys are not playing at full strength right now. Obviously, they're not playing. You know, they're they're just they're just simply not playing as hard as they would if it were you know a match to counter for something, but. When you're Frank Nielakina and you, like you said, you barely played in, in half a season and pretty much all the basketball you played up until that point, it's been maybe not poor all of the time, but lacking. Like there's always been something more that we've wanted to see out of Frank Nielakina, not because we're greedy, you know, Knicks fans or anything like that, just because we want to see this guy be able to stay on the floor. And you and I, have had a very storied history on this podcast about how we've talked about Frank Nielakina. And it's often been a point of contention between us because it's been, I, I think through that his rookie year with him being so young and everything like that, we we're both pretty much on the same page of, you know, whatever he's gonna, you know, he's going to struggle. Like he's a young kid. He's very frail. He's coming into his own. And, you know, he's, he's uh, a French player coming, trying to make it in the, in the NBA. You know, it's going to take some time for that. And to a degree, yeah. Last year was where we kind of divided a little bit where I was still kind of holding that same mindset where, you know, I'm still not rushing him out. I think not necessarily that you were rushing him, but you wanted to see more, you know, anything more progress. Yeah. You wanted to see like actual results. And when I wasn't really worried so much about seeing results because I thought that it would more kind of all trickle into one moment. This is the year where I'm at with you where, if he doesn't start showing some stuff coming into training camp and pretty much out of the gates, like if he doesn't show, you know, any minor improvements by, you know, December, uh, what are we doing here? Like it's, it's the point where, you know, he's a lottery pick. Like you're saying like three years in, you should be showing something. So I'm, I'm at the point where I'm giving him this year. I kind of, I, I kind of feel this way with most rookies, especially lottery players that come in when you kind of like use an asset so high on a player like that. I'm going to give you three years to get yourself right. But by the end of that third year, you got to show who you are. You got to show that you have, that you can at least carve out a niche for yourself in this league. And Frank is a good, like he should be able to do it. Like he's, he's like a very long guard. He is a good defensive guard already. Like 
He he demonstrated that in some of the clips I saw from this Tunisia game too. Like he is, it, it, but that can't be enough. Like he has to be able to carve out. Uh, like even if he's not a starter, he just has to be able to show that he can gel with other players on the team, so that he can actually stay on the floor instead of getting benched for like you're saying, Emmanuel Mudiay, Jarrett Jack, and other no names in the NBA at this point. And you know, in 2019. Uh, so a couple things and. I never want to make it sound like I'm rooting against Frank or I want him to fail, but like this is a results oriented league. Like you have to do stuff. You have to develop. You have to keep progressing. If you don't do those things, you're out of a job. Like that's how the NBA works. That's not, you know, Maggio being a dickhead on, on the Knicks wall podcast. That's, that's literally how the NBA works. Never. I would never every year. There's 60 new players that enter. Just from the draft. That's not even talking about undrafted guys or G League call-ups or fringe guys, random overseas guys that may be found a way. Like every year there's like 60 to 80 new guys who are signed to some kind of a guaranteed deal or partial guarantee or, you know, they're kind of penciled in loosely for a roster spot. Every year, 60 to 80 guys are losing jobs. You know what I mean? Or or they, instead of having a full season guarantee, they might be a, a flyer around training camp, like a Noah Vonley. And then he needs to prove himself to hang around. Like, that's how the NBA works. Like, if you're not scoring, if you're a guard and you were drafted in the lottery, the top 10, and you still can't figure out how to score even a little bit better in year three, you still can't figure out how to make layups against Tanasia in year three, like, this is where it becomes problematic. I'm not trying to use a friendly against Tanasia as the as the uh, final nail in the coffin on Frank Nielakina. But it's like one of these times that you watch, you watch Frank, you just want to see something more. Like one of these times we watch Frank, it'd be cool to watch a game where he goes like seven to 13 from the field. Right. Finishes right. Like, exactly. Finishes with What's like 17 career, his points. His career high is like 18 points, right? Like it, it, I'm, it's I'm, uh, 17 or 18. I think it may yeah. have been the Warriors game. Which and, again, like we're not saying that scoring is everything here. Not, and like it, he's shown some strides on, on like the defensive end, but it's really been just that. Like, but, but this is my thing. So that first year, he was the top rated pick and roll player in the NBA, his rookie season. So he's backing up Jared Jack. He's the top rated pick and roll player and individual defender in the NBA. What has he done since then? Yeah. Has he has he gotten better defensively off ball? Has he gotten better offensively? Other than us looking at him through a microscope every game and watching his handles and his passing, and despite zero results being shown literally ever, and us going, Oh, he looked a little better. Like what's actually happening? Like what can I mean, we and we're, and we're at a point where we've played him at a couple of different positions now. We've tried we're like it's not that our coaches haven't tried, you know, different things with him. Like and, and the thing with Frank Nilakina too is like, you know, he's not a cheap player really. Like I'm looking at his contract right now. Like he's got, you know, his um he's got a, a an option for 2020-21. I don't know if that's been exercised yet or not. I don't believe it has. So like he's got I something to play for. Right, but he that's what I'm saying. Like he's got something to play for like this coming year. Like he makes almost he makes four, you know, f- almost 4.9 this coming season. Next season he's 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 slated to make, you know, a, a, like a hair over 6 million dollars. And I mean the the salary cap has in, increased a lot, you know, and and all that in the in recent years and you know, you got guys who are signing for a lot more money than that, but 6 million is still you know that that's still like a, a size of a, rec- a decently sizable contract. That if you're not performing at all, if you're getting buried on the bench, like you're you're not a six million dollar player. Like 
you know, he he's just got something to play for. And we've seen like we saw some pictures come out this year. Like he's definitely worked on his physique a little bit. Like it seems like he's trying to get himself into a better condition to be primed for this kind of stuff. But we've seen that time and time again with players where just because you're in great shape coming into camp doesn't mean you're going to play well. We saw and early it, last summer with him. He was with yeah. Chris Brickley looking buff. He's in shape. He has the wingspan. He has the ability. He's not, he, he's he's not, not like the, doing it. He's not the sticks that he came into the league with anymore. You know, he's like, he's actually like, looks like an NBA player these days. So you got to kind of put that together after a while. My, like my thing is, if his defense was still top rated pick and roll defender, like, and he was still good last year when he was playing, but it wasn't the same as the, the first year. So he wasn't himself defensively. And you can, attribute part of that to him being injured on and off throughout the year. I think that's actually fair, but Mm -hmm. we are coming up dangerous. It's August now. Like it's going to be training camp next month. Like we're coming up dangerously quick to Frank doing nothing for three years, like two years in a row entering the season. Like you need, like something needs to be done. Like we are following date. Like people are still clinging to the idea of Frank, Versus what Frank's actually shown us. Like, and I'm not trying to drag anybody, throw anybody under the bus. I'm not going to name anybody I've been debating with online. But like, you know, we're talking about, oh, well, if Frank can just make, you know, a certain, like a, like 35, 36% from three as a catch and shoot guy and play defense, like that'd be great. I agree yeah. with you. That would be great. But Ant, does he shoot 36% on his threes? No, he doesn't. And no, he and doesn't. That's what we need to see. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not out yet. Like, that's what we need to see this year. I, I'm not. A, I'm rooting for him. But like, right. We, I, we, I, we, right. we to, both are. We need to stop. And, and and when I say we, I don't mean you or you or I. I mean the the Knicks fans in general. Like, we got to stop talking about him. The idea of him being a certainty. Like, there's no certainty that he becomes right. a 33. Like, he's shooting 30. percent Like, he shot worse this year than he did the first season. Why are we assuming that he's going to suddenly be? This marksman from three. This is not Here's the thing catch too. and shoot guy. Like I, I don't understand how people are higher on him than they are on Kevin Knox right now. That like and, and I and I've been pretty low. And I again I like and root for every player on this team. When I talk about them negatively, I'm not hating or knocking because I hate them. I've been pretty low on Knox for a little while now, and I am way higher than historically bad rookie season Kevin Knox than I am on on Frank mm-hmm. becoming an NBA player. Like yeah. Like because like actually Knox, shot almost thirty five percent from three last year. Yeah, Knox says like the thing about him is like his you know his contributions like kind of waxed and waned throughout the season last year, but like I feel like his mechanics and like his build kind of look pretty consistent, and a lot of it came down to like mentality. With Frank, it's like you know his shot doesn't look the same half the time. He's not doing the same things on the court like game in and game out, so we can like try to improve in those things like. It's just a little ragtag, and I don't quite know what to make of it yet. Um, but I, I think all this is to go to say that this is a very, very big year for Frank Nielakina. He's going to have to he's going to have to show something because, I mean, he's got he's he's in a contract year now. Let's see what he can do about it. And the last thing I will I will end up with just to appease kind of everybody here, and I'm not just blowing smoke up anybody's ass. Like he looked fine today. Like. Seven points, like he's moving the ball. He had five assists. Uh, he was operating the pick and roll pretty nicely. Like he played good defense, but like that's not what we're looking for anymore. Like I'm not looking for fine. Like you are a lottery pick. You even if he's young, you have expectations. Same with Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox at least was like active last year. 
He stunk most of the season, you know, but he was trying. He was getting shots up. He was still yeah. a rookie last season, too. And he, and he had an right. accolade. Like, he he was, did win rookie of the month one month. Like. He did. And, but, and, and to me, like, what I liked was that whole month, he was shooting wide-open threes, going mm-hmm. directly to the rim, and he was actually rebounding. Like, he can actually do stuff. He has like a history that he can, like, try to live up towards. Yes. Like, there, there's something there. But, like, Frank, like, I'm not looking for, oh, you, you looked a little smoother dribbling the ball today. Like, it's year three. Like, I need you to st- – yeah. you got to score 10 points. You got to yeah. average five assists. Like, you, you got to – it's not always about the results, but for Frank, it's about the results. Like, that wh- that's where we're at now. Like, we got to really pick it up here. So, um, he, he looked fine. T- I'm not trying to say, like, he looked like shit versus Tunisia. He didn't. He looked fine. But at some point, like, you need to be able to shoot better than 0 of 3. Like, he shot 2 of 10. It versus Turkey and Tunisia combined. Like, I get that these are exhibitions. These are first game back, but come on. Like, these are really, like, that's like that's just really low level competition. Like, you got to be able to do better than that. So, we are going to talk about the shock of the summer in just a moment. But before we do, I wanted to tell you all about our sponsor, ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain, and that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. Right now, listeners to the Next Wall podcast or any Blue Wire podcast can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation's the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just try ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. All right, Kyle, surprise of the summer was not Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving signing with the Brooklyn Nets. It was not signing eight power forwards to a roster. None of that. Surprise of the station comes in the Knicks having their Christmas Day game revoked. And what I can only imagine was the league office watching Ennis Cantor. Didn't he have like 20 rebounds last Christmas or something like that? He, like, he, had, he had a big Christmas. Yeah, like I, I just think they were just like, listen, like we got all of these guys in the league right now. And we got even like, we got Zion Williamson coming in. We got, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis on the same team. We got all these guys flip flopping all over the place and nobody wants to sit through. Not that, uh, you know, Ennis Cantor is on the Knicks anymore, but nobody wants to sit through that again. And so the Knicks have had their Christmas game revoked uh, in favor of what is the Christmas schedule looking like right now? We got new Orleans at Denver. Should be that's an interesting matchup, but like I'll take it. Oh, never mind. I'm so sorry. I, I reported some uh, some fake news a second ago. We are going to get a 20 rebound Ennis Cantor game because we have Boston at Toronto. Mm. 
starting oh, center and a center of the uh, Boston Celtics. Yeah, and I mean, these are good games. You have Cl- Clippers, Lakers, Pelicans, Nuggets, Celtics, Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, Rockets, Warriors. Like, those are all very good games. Bucks, like, Sixers is going to be great. That That is the game Bucks, I'm waiting Sixers for. Gonna, yeah, that's going to be – they're going to be heavyweights in the East this year. So that's going to be sensational. What do you think the time slots look like? Um, I'd be willing to bet the Kawhi-less Raptors get the noon game. Them are the Pelicans Nuggets, and then I think everyone else after that gets. I think it's Pelicans Nuggets are going to get think, the new game. I think game. Clippers Lakers is obviously going to go prime time or yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the the finisher. And then I would assume uh, Bucks Sixers is either right before is before that. Um, yeah, Houston, Houston uh, versus the Warriors, which is in. Oh, that's uh, a good one too, though. Which is in the new arena for the Warriors. That's going to be a late game. I would Oof. assume that goes Those after three the Lakers. Definitely close it out right there. Yeah, that's probably the closer out, and then yeah. I think uh, they do New Orleans, Denver to start it off, just to like you get the Zion hype going, and then you get people like you know you get them in at noon, you keep them throughout the day. Could be. I just feel like Ennis Cantor versus you know the Kawhi-less Raptor, and they're not a shitty team. They're still going to be good and competitive, and they might even make the playoffs. But like, it's it's obviously not a contending team. So these are mostly contending teams, aside from like the Pelicans. You know, the the Nuggets are still kind of frauds until they prove otherwise, even though they had a pretty good playoff. So like you know what I mean? Like these are these are good teams that I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be real good this year, but they, they probably uh, will be. But either way, I mean I'm sad that the Knicks aren't playing. Yeah, like what fan. give me tell, give me your emotions on that. Like do you feel like there's so, like like I really enjoyed the Knicks tradition, but like I can't blame the like I can't blame them for taking it away. It's just like it's kind of been embarrassing to put on TV for a couple of years now. Yeah. So ever since the John Wall Quincy AC Christmas game, I've kind of been Yo. all set. Yeah, I've kind of been all set on the mix not needing to be on TV. That was the that was the year where I was like, all right, guys. Oh my like, god, I forgot about that. Yeah, and, and then like they they got just blasted by OKC one. Like I, I'm just I'm very tired of seeing them lose by thirty. So like the, the best game in years was like that. Um, they had that good Celtics game where Melo was going toe to toe with uh, Isaiah Thomas a few years. I think in 2016, the Derrick Rose season. That game was fine. They had a really good uh, battle when KP was healthy, you know, uh, against the Sixers. Like that was a really fun game with Embiid and Cantor and KP. Like there have been good games. Like that year, I felt they deserved it. But like, if they're gonna be bad, like they were just historically bad. And I love Julius Randle, but like that's not enough to save this team. Like nobody deserves to watch this team. And a part of me is sad because I like trolling people, as we know. And it makes me sad when the Knicks don't get the Christmas game because then I can't tell people to cry about it when they complain that the Knicks are on. Because Because what else do we honestly do as Knicks fans? Yeah, that's all I have. You know, that's all I have. Yeah, the the only sanity we have is trolling all the rest of the league right now. Like, we just kind of have to live Being a Knicks fan is like that meme where the homeless man calls another homeless man like broke, like trash. Like that's, that's kind of what Knicks fans are. Like we, we know we are, but we're not afraid to call you trash. So I like when somebody else whines and goes, Oh, the Knicks on Christmas again, nobody wants to see this. And then I, I bottle all those tears up and I chug them cause they're delicious. And they I should put like just one, cry. One totally embarrassing Christmas game on every year. Well, like I want Nick Hornets this year. Because think about it, man. For years on Thanksgiving, which shitty team did you always watch in the NFL? Which team? 
Uh, you're asking the wrong guy, but uh, the Detroit Lions. Ah, you're right. Year. You're asking the right guy. Yeah, we. You, I do yeah, that every year. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, that's Lions, my fucking birthday too, and I just sit there and watch them cry about the Lions, and it's wonderful. Every year, the Lions, and they've been pretty good this decade. So I don't want to sit here and make it. But like, there was a time when the Lions never won games. Like an eight and eight season was like playoffs for the Lions. Like they went 0 16 one year. Like they were just a train wreck. And they always got the Christmas game. They always get that first one to kick things off. And that's not at all what the Knicks were doing. But it felt like that to me a little bit. I felt like, okay, well, at least I'm going to watch my shitty team get blown the fuck out at 12 o'clock as I start my Christmas. And a little part of me That's is when sad. I start drinking every Christmas. Like that, I, I go to my aunt and uncle's place in, in Westchester, and I'll, I sit right on the couch. I prepare like, you know, I, I think the, uh, the Christmas time drink of tradition for the family has become uh, Pepsi with uh, Bacardi and a piece of pineapple in it. Don't ask me how it got started. It just did. And uh, I sit there and I have about four of those, you know, one per quarter and uh, maybe an extra on halftime. And I'm, you know, by the time the two o'clock game comes on, I'm good and drunk. That's my Christmas. I just kind of got used to it, you know, and yeah, it's sad that it won't be there. But I also can't defend uh, the Knicks playing because they positively do not deserve to. So um, that said, uh, the silver lining is we get to enjoy our next miss we get to not watch our favorite team uh become a national embarrassment silver lining is i'll be sober around my family yep yep uh be a little more sober um probably be in a better mood so there's a couple things that we should be thankful for here but um to me who is numb to losing i just enjoy watching my team when they're on uh even if they win 17 games in a season so it's just a little bit sad for me, that I can't wake up and have that as like my background noise, you know, just have that as the game while everyone's opening gifts or eating or cooking. Right. Like it's a little bit that that part stinks. But again, there's still basketball. I love basketball, so Man, we'll be fine. The fact that the fact that we are able to sit here and still enjoy this, like we started this podcast in 2016, and like we literally just like just sat through shit the entire time. We've just admired up to our fucking necks and shit the entire time. And the fact that we could sit here and enjoy this and talk about actually missing, you know, Knicks games on Christmas Day. We are some kind of people, man. Let me tell you. Let's uh, let's turn our attention to the uh, popular opinion of uh, the rest of the fan base. It seems like the Knicks are kind of scouting out some ideas for what their uh, what their fourth jersey is going to be next season. Uh, I don't know, probably to replace the city jersey or something, but it's looking like they're trying to do uh, a little bit of a throwback type situation because they've been uh, pushing a poll pretty hard on social media the last couple of days. Or not really even a poll, but just a graphic. Um, with four throwback jersey ideas for them to wear next season. And one of them is the, it's like the fifties one. Uh, there is like, there's like the, uh, I think two fifties ones on there, right? 
Yeah, it's for, it's 49 to 53, 53 to 59. Uh, the 49 to 53 one is just like very regular piping. The 53 to 59 one is kind of like the style of, of the city <laughs> one from last season. And then kind of out of the blue comes uh, 97 to 2001 with the big like trapezoid stripe down the side. And then they have the 2001, yeah. 2002, like, you know, black and orange straight pat- piping down the bottom, like the, the black and blue collar. Um, and there is, especially amongst Nick's wall uh, commenters and our, uh, you know, our mentions, there seems to be, and between me and you a little bit, there seems to be some uh, bit of uh, discrepancy going on. So here. I'd like to defend my take. Right. You you are staunch on the point that there is only one correct answer here. There's one and a half, if we're being okay. honest. Uh, I have okay. to be bold from my uh, from the TKW account. But okay, so here here's how I arrived at the decision. Right. So right. if you're looking at one, nothing wrong with one, but one's very simple, very clean. We've done that recently too. I'm and I'm good on that. We've done that recently, and also our jerseys now are very simple, very clean. I like right. our jerseys now for what it's worth. I don't sure. Me too. I do. Very simple, very classic. I like that, right? So a I'm nice thinking, evolution of where we've come from to now. Right. So for me, there's no need for one. So right. that was the easiest one. Eliminate that. Like it, it's classic, but I, I don't think it really does anything now. There's not enough differentiation, right? That takes us to two. Mm-hmm. I like two. But you kind of just did that with the city jersey last year. Exactly. And like we've done other ones similar to that in recent years. Right. Too. Like we've kind of abused that one. Now we're sort of getting to the point where we're 20 years after that late 90s era. And I'm starting to think we can retro back to those. And the this only is reason, strange to me that this the, is even the, here. The only reason I didn't say four, even though I like four, um, is because I think we're still a little too close to that one. Right, I agree with you. I because agree with that mentality. We scrapped those uh, the year after we got Amari. You know, like the, the sorry, the year before we got Amari. The year with Amari, it was still the same design, but I think they scrapped the black piping. If I'm not they mistaken, did, they made it a little bit more like uniform looking. Like they made it cleaner looking. I like, I really like the ones they wore from like 2010 <laughs> to like 2013 or so, where it had like it had the orange in the collar as well. Uh, the piping was pretty much just about the same down the side, but it was more that like the collar was a little bit different. Yeah, so I I did I like those two actually, and uh, so for those me, those might be my favorite jerseys. See now for me, I I like those a lot because I had liked the late ninety ones, and I thought these are close enough. These are a more sleek version of that, basically. Right, and I like that the black wasn't too much, whatever. And for some reason, they just became so like bleh to me. Yeah, as as like that that era was finishing, that I it, I really enjoyed the new ones. It was like all through Mellow's tenure, like that first half of it, I was really excited about those jerseys. Really loved them. The so first me, half, like when he first got traded, like those for like the like because they changed him right before twenty twelve. Right, they changed him for the twenty twelve season. Um, I remember that because it was like my first year of college, and I and I had a teacher ask what my favorite color was going to be. And or what my favorite color was, and I told him that whatever the Knicks jersey color ends up being tomorrow, that's that's what it is, uh, whatever shade of blue. But here, all right, I I have had a bit of a soft spot for the for number three as well. Um, I also really appreciate a little bit of, of decoration on the shorts as well. Like I like the number on the bottom there gets me all the time. 
but man, they're just ugly. Like, I don't know any way, other way to say it. Like, it's just where the, you know, where the trapezoids come out to. Like, it's like, it's just, they're just too wide. And that's, I thought that like the, the 0102, like, and beyond that, were just a good way of cleaning those jerseys up a little bit. Like, I, I like three and I've, I, I think three makes for a good throwback jersey. Because I think four is a, even is still a little bit too close to what they're wearing now. Like and like you said, you're right. They need a little bit of time, a little bit more time before they can go back to those. Especially considering that era that they wore those and were just garbage basketball, just just vomit basketball the entire time. Um, and three was like you know they had a finals appearance wearing those jerseys. So I, I do have a feeling that three is going to be the one that ends up showing up next season, and I think that that's going to look really good. Like, I like imagine R.J. Barrett and like Julius Randle wearing these jerseys. Yeah, and and Julius Randle, for what it's worth, already spoke up on Instagram. He commented on the the Knicks post of this question and said that he wants three. So, I think they'd look good if they're just a little bit more better fitting. I think like, they the nineties one sucked. Like with that, like that's the thing about both three and four would look good. The reason I think they looked bad in their time was because jerseys were so baggy in those times, you know, right. for like every player wore them so big that like something just a little bit like I don't know how they're going to look when they're a little bit sleeker. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. I'm willing to give it a shot. Like, I think it'll look I think it'll look good. I, I it's it's one of those things where I kind of have to see it in person before I can fully buy into it. But if I had to put one, and I this wasn't my original thought when this these for this first started flying around, I was pretty quick to shoot down three. But if you had to ask me now, I think I'm leaning towards it. Yeah. So the other thing I was thinking too is it's probably not going to be straight up the jersey we remember because last year's city edition was a retro, but a modernized mm-hmm. touch, a modernized flair on the retro, and I thought that ended up looking really, really good. Like I really hope that they keep those city jerseys around for a while because they were so good. So I, I would, I would much rather have that pair than have like the two main jerseys that we have now. And then like the city from last year and then like whatever one they pick from here instead of like the statement that we have now. Yeah. And I don't mind that one. I think that one's fine. But like, you know, you, for me, like if you're going to have alternates, there used to be one alternate. Like we have two now, like you should, go all out, make it pop. Like, don't give me two home jerseys. You know what I mean? Like, give, give me something that really is different and pops and vibrant. Like, look and especially you- since, like, the home and the away, like, lineation is much, like, there's a lot more flexibility with that now. You know, give me, give me something that's going to pop a little bit, like you're saying. Yeah, so that's the other thing I was thinking, too, is they're probably going to modernize that one a little bit. I don't know how. But- I'm curious. I wonder if they do that or if they like kind of like follow the approach that the Hornets took last season where they just brought back their pinstripe uniform like pretty much straight that's, up. Uh, that's a fair um, retort, to be quite yeah. honest. So uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I think, oh, man, I am. I If I have to, you, so you're saying you're like one and a half, like you're going like three and then you give like an extra like half a point to four, basically. Yeah, four would get the same vote as three for me if four was a little bit farther removed like if it was yeah, just a little bit older, i kind of feel the same way i'd probably have them on equal footing because they're pretty much the same stuff but um they're pretty much the same stuff in terms of like it, it's a black black piping on the you know black sides basically and then um on a blue jersey with the, the same kind of styling like it's mostly the same it's just you know what i really need to see in order to buy in I need to see what? this jersey on a Taj Gibson wallpaper. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I was beside myself. It's like sometimes you don't need to like I get we should be welcoming the new guys. I understand. But like just you don't need to call it wallpaper onesie. Just like tweet the graphic out. Just be like, oh, Taj is ready for the big apple. And then boom, it's a picture of Taj Gibson in his Knicks uniform. Like don't yeah, try to all get the Todd me. Gibson fans want representation. How like I was appalled. I'm driving back from the barbershop today. I I look at my feed at a stoplight and I see Taj Gibson wallpaper Wednesday. Stop it. How dare you? Nobody's rocking a Taj Gibson number 60. He doesn't even have a cool number to do. It's number 67. There's nobody's rocking. That is a number, such a shit number. A, a number 67 Taj Gibson jersey in year whatever. Oh my God. Can you imagine? No, year he's in at this point. Like, I'm sorry. Come on, guys. Like, do I never complain about this stuff, but come on. Just, we need to do like, we need to do a Taj Gibson jersey giveaway or something. We do not ever need to give away a number 67 Taj Gibson jersey. Not a never. Never. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Taj, if you're listening to this or your representation is listening. It's nothing against you. I like you. Um, I just don't think that getting the people hyped up to rally around you is the correct way to go about it. I think you would also agree, if we're being fair. You're welcome to come on the podcast. I'm sorry. All right. Well, before we get out of here today, it's a bit of a light week. Uh, we kind of wanted to not do so much of a deep dive, but just take a quick look at one of the new guys who joined the roster. Uh, Ignis Brezdakis, Iggy Brezdakis, uh, Michigan and you know Canada's own. Um, going to be competing amongst the swarm of small and power forwards and tweeners and guys who are going to play at the three and four for some minutes. He had a pretty good showing at Summer League, and I think he kind of endeared himself to Knicks fans, you know, to a decent amount, enough for him to have a couple of fans out there who want to see him make some noise in training camp. Uh, but he's going he's going to be going up against, like, even, you know, like, you've got Marcus Morris, you know, playing those same minutes. you got, like, R.J. Barrett, who's going to be going out for those minutes, obviously. You know, you got two guys who, are t- who just drafted who are going to be trying to play the same position. you got... You know, Kevin Knox, who is still, you know, very high in the Knicks eyes as a lottery pick. You got, you know, and then you have like all, you know, you have like Julius Randle who probably play a couple of minutes at three. You have, you know, you have like uh, Reggie Bullock who will probably play some minutes at the three. And and a lot of guys at the two as well. And, you know, and how many of those twos can shift to the one? It's not many of them. Like Iggy Brezdikas looked like a player who, with the ball in his hands, is going to have a couple of games where he's going to be able to score quite a bit of points. His passing looked pretty good too, but just as far as him getting onto the court and being able to, you know, heat up a little bit, do you, do you see any kind of role for him to be able to play this, uh, this coming season? Uh, yeah, actually, because this team needs shooting. And one of the things that I liked uh, about Iggy uh, a lot after I, I didn't know anything about him, when we drafted him uh, same way when we drafted Mitchell Robinson last year in the second round, I didn't know anything about him. Uh, I don't care that I didn't know. This is the point of the second round. We found out about guys. We learn about guys. Nobody knew about back. Mitchell Robinson. Everybody yeah, stopped getting about it, it. I mean, a couple of people seem to know, but not anybody, not like the normal people would, you know what I mean? It's like far and few between. If you're paying attention to Mitchell Robinson uh, in college or in high school, rather than more, you know, 
more power to you. I simply did not. So um, happy to pay attention now, just not back then. So Iggy, one thing I heard almost immediately after they took him was um, they drafted him for a lot of his analytics, for a lot of his uh, shooting numbers. Um, so his catch and shoot, like off the dribble or on the move, like they liked a lot of just the way his shooting uh, showed up in those numbers. And to me, like, I like that one because of the decision-making process and two, uh, because we fucking need shooters. So the way that RJ is going to be successful and to a lesser extent, the way Dennis is going to be successful because they're both uh, facilitating guards who can also score, but sometimes struggle to do so, especially shooting from outside is they need those guys who can shoot from outside. Like they can both get to the rim, get to the line, get to the rack when they want. They can both drive and kick, but they need guys out there who are just going to be lethal. And by lethal, I mean like 38% and up, like 37, 38% and up. Just guys who most of the time are going to hit those threes. Iggy, to me, could be that guy. Like, I don't, they signed a lot of guys. So in August, first week of August, I'm very hesitant to say uh, he has a legitimate chance or he will, you know, I'm not going to give any hot takes and he's going to, a lock in a, a six man role, but um, you need shooting in 2019. Like if you're not shooting well, you know, there's a chance you could outplay Dotson who I, you and I both have liked Brian's liked for quite some time. Like we, we've been Dotson fans for a while, but if he comes in and he's shooting the lights out, then yeah, he, he might have a chance to outplay Dotson who while good and serviceable was a little inconsistent at times, but you know, he, he could, he could play over Ellington probably. I would assume that that's the plan is to give him more opportunities than Ellington. Um, I don't know what the plan is for Bullock now that he's injured. So I would imagine. That's a little. My one thing with like the Ellington thing is like they like I, I could I would probably see him playing a little bit more than Ellington too as the season goes along. But like those are two of your few actual shooters on the team. You know, it. I would probably want to see some lineups where they could get paired together because everybody else is you know, mid-range and in is, you know, you don't have other than like Marcus Morris and like, you know, I guess like it's maybe Julius Randall. Like you really don't have very many other shooters on the team. Yeah. I mean, Randall can hit from outside. I mean, Marcus Morris, we just signed and he's always been a guy who could shoot a lot of mid-range, but he can shoot from outside too. He's, been capable for a long time. Bobby Portis might be our best three point shooter. Uh, yeah, Bobby Portis shoots almost, I think, thirty nine percent, almost forty percent from deep. Like, and he's a stretch four or five. I played a lot of minutes at the five for uh, the Wizards last year too. So, um, yeah. I really like the Portis signing, not for the money, but we needed a, a better version of Cornet, basically. And I'm I very happy Portis with him to be up five. Yeah, I, I listen for for this year and next. Like, I really don't care about the money. You didn't sign any stars. Like at this point they could be paying him $30 million for one season. I wouldn't care. Like just, I, I need to see good basketball players and Portis to me is a decent, good basketball player. So he's not, I think wild. he's not great, but like any big who's going to be able to shoot nearly 40% is going to have value. So I'd like to see, like I, I my point is Iggy can fit in with a lot of right. these lineups that they want to do. It seems like they want to space the floor, stretch the floor. And I can't see you know, with, with why they drafted him and they traded up to get him, I can't see them not wanting to give him at least some opportunity to get out there and run with an open offense and get his shots up and 
let RJ Barrett or Dennis feed him and just see what he could do. Because you know what you have in Dotson. Ellington's right. a proven veteran. Bullock went healthy. You know what you're getting. Like you drafted a kid in the second round. You should give him some opportunities to get that burn and prove himself first. So yeah, there's catch and shoot opportunities for sure. Like if he if he can like fit into a role where he's going to be able to catch and shoot like that, and he's going to be able to move well off the ball with you know without you know without having to dribble, then then yeah, I think there's definitely opportunity for him to break in. The only problem is. I mean, I, I I didn't watch any Michigan last year. I don't really know. Like, Brian would be a better uh, person to talk to about this. But, like, he just had the ball in his hands for a lot when he was effective in summer league. And he, you know, I, like, I thought that he was, at, he was a pretty good passer, like I was saying before. And, like, kind of his ability to get to the rim was really good, too. I just want to see a little bit more of him, uh, you know, being able to act as a little bit more of that catch and shoot spot for me to fully buy into him making it into the rotation. He should. I I don't want to get carried away with summer league, but like with how much we've needed shooting for like basically forever, like you you need, you need those kinds of guys to come in. Like I, I'd be very disappointed if in a year like this, they don't give him every opportunity to go out and just, shoot as much as he wants like another thing that we can't overlook either was when dennis got here last year he was really making a concerted effort to find guys behind the three-point line so Mm. he was doing a lot of driving whether he was going up for a layup or just going under the basket uh kind of those like steve nash running the baseline assists you know and we have a couple of guys who are going to clap in like that like like rj barrett's going to do the same thing Exactly. And I think that's why if you're going to play those guys, I'm going to assume both those guys are going to start, whether Dennis is at the one and RJ is at the two or RJ is at the three. Like I assume those are going to be two of your starters and your Mm -hmm. probable main offensive initiators. So like there should be with those guys, three shooters, like however you got to squeeze them in, if it's Dotson at the two or an RJ at the three, and then you put in, you know, Julius and, uh, you know, Mitchell, I imagine Mar- Marcus Morris probably starts. Yeah, yeah, Marcus Morris, I forgot about entirely. So, I mean, th- there's got to be a plethora of shooters like ready. Like, you can't ever have like less than like two shooters on the floor with those mm-hmm. guys if they're going to start together. So, however, you got to get it done. And I think Iggy's yeah. going to have a chance to do that. Uh, I-, I don't think he's going to start, but a, a seventh, eighth man kind of role. Yeah, get your 15 I, I mean, minutes. Shoot five threes off the bench, kind of like a Novak. Yeah, fucking why not? I mean, just he'll, move. He'll be open. interesting in some, some the ball like that. He'll be interesting in some small ball lineups, like you know when we we had Mitch and uh, when we had Mitchell Robinson and we have uh, Portis all, off the floor at the same time together. Like, and you kind of be, you're either moving like Taj or like Julius Randle into like the five spot, and then you're playing like you know you could probably play Bryce Davis at the three or even at the two, like you know with with like Barrett or something like that. And then, like, even if you have, like, like I don't know, you move Morris up a spot, you move him into, like, the four, you, like, play, you can even pr- play Peyton, you know, uh, at the at the one with that lineup, too. Like, I'm very interested to see where he kind of slots in, like, in, like, the second and third quarters. Like, what kind of lineups will surround, you know, what kind of lineups he'll find himself and what play, you know, what players he'll end up surrounding. Um, yeah, I, I, I have... I kind of see Bryce Dick is maybe like, I, I have a feeling like, I don't think he'll be a Mitchell Robinson type find, but I think he could be like a better Landry Fields type find. Yeah. I mean, I see that. I, I just see somebody coming off the bench and like, to me, it almost be like found money with the Steve Novak thing. Like we signed yeah. Novak and we're like, okay, a guy's going to come in, hit a couple threes a game, nothing crazy. And then Novak came in and was like, 
hey, I'm going to give you 15 minutes off the bench, and I'm never going to miss a fucking three. Give, How about that? It was like two and a half years as a really good rotation player. Exactly. So, like, if Iggy gives us, like, two or three years of being a good, sound rotation player who's hitting a good clip of threes, like, 40% from three, like, yeah, I mean, that's a win. Not everybody's everybody's going to be a star. Like, some some guy's just got to be a really good seventh man. If you're getting the guy in the second round, like, he's just got to be a good role player. Right. You know? Yeah, nobody's looking for him to be a starter, but it's, yeah, but if he can play just, just the role, especially as a rookie, like, that'll help out a lot. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. Look, we just need scoring yeah. here. However, we, we do. Can get it, so we do. Um. All right. Well, I think that's about all we have to go through uh, this week. Um. By the way, if you want to uh, know a little bit more about Iggy Brazdakis, you want to get some other opinions on it. Uh, Nick Wall's own Stephen Lewis had a piece go up today on the Nickswall.com. You can go check out. Um. You know, while you're at it, check out all the other pieces we got on the site. Let's see what else went up recently. We've been putting out a lot Harley, of features recently. Harley had a really good one on how uh, Frank figures in the um, the Knicks rotation this year and what he can do to crack the rotation, considering it seems like he's probably on the outs. So Harley did a really nice dive on uh, what Frank needs to do to make a case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of what we're in. talking about here. I mean, like, you can even go as far. Uh, Lawrence Scotty had a piece come out about uh, Bobby Portis and, you know, what his role is going to be going to look like backing up Mitch and something that he's, like, prepared for. So, you know, all these things that we're talking about on the pod, we got we got guys who have done deep dives on them already. So, you know, take what we're saying here with a grain of salt. Go read up on them. They know what they're talking about there, too. Um, head over to Twitter. You know, follow us at TKW Podcast, at Corbo Anthony, at Kyle Maggio, at Brian Giberman, all of us, at the Knicks Wall. Uh, YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Hit the subscribe for Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify. You know, wh- whatever your choice is. We're not going to discriminate here. I'm an, Apple, I'm an uh, Android user. I know what I'm doing here. Um, Yuck. <laughs> whatever, man. At least I have a phone. I can see the... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had a really good... A really good clapback coming, and you just undercut me at the knees. All I just, over it. Yeah, I just felt myself tumbling, as you said. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I was, was going to say, I can see the green bubbles from here. And right as I was formulating that response in my head, you cut me down at the knees. And here I, I, I'm sitting on stumps here. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just a uh, I was not expecting a haymaker from you, Corbo. My goodness. You know what? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a rare, rare occasion for them, but all right. Well, hopefully we'll have some things to talk about next week, uh, but I, I wouldn't count on it considering we are in the uh, dredges of August, but training camp is soon. You know, it's uh, it's coming up. Uh, we're going to see what what other players get invited, who else is going to make the cut, and uh, season's just around the corner, guys. Just, just two more months till we uh, have some actual basketball to be watching, so... Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon.